Hi, and welcome to Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Felt. A cancer diagnosis is one of the hardest slap in the face imaginable. All of a sudden, you have to become an expert in cancer and its treatments because your life depends on it. Oncologists, family and friends are pushing you towards chemo, radiation, surgery, yet you feel there are additional solutions out there. You don't feel confident in that only traditional therapies will take care of it. You may, as I have, seen family or friends quickly go downhill from harsh medical treatments. There is a better way. I invite you to listen to stories from real people fighting cancer successfully through powerful, integrative, and holistic methods. Learn what they did. This is my gift to you to make the learning curve less steep after your diagnosis. The information in this podcast could save your life as it has others. Well, Dr. Dana Flavin, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on this segment on our uh, little webinar series. And, and the thing we want to focus on, we're going to focus on toxins and cancer. Uh, first, I want people to to get to know you a little bit more so they know the, the type of experience that you're coming from. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about your background. You're working with the FDA, all the drug companies. I mean, obviously, if you're going to read through everything, it's going to take, <laughs> it will take just a whole, whole segment. But yeah, kind of some of the salient points so people understand, yeah, you know, the, the wisdom that's coming from you in this area. All right. Well, let, let me go back to the beginning. I, I, what I have right now is more than 58 semesters of education, four disciplines, three doctoral disciplines. And I was the top uh, toxicologist at FDA when I started writing my book on cancer. And I was writing it from a biochemical uh, and sort of pharmacological standpoint. I did not realize until I got to the third chapter that a nutrient could actually do something in cancer. And it, it angered me, I have to honestly say, because being a pharmacologist and a biochemist and all of that, and you come to a chapter on DNA synthesis, the rate limiting step in DNA synthesis, and you find out that vitamin A inhibits it. And it's like, this is impossible. This is a vitamin. A vitamin can't do anything in cancer. And when I began to see that there were pharmacological mechanisms, really drug activity of natural substances, regardless of whether it's a herb or a food or, or a chemical or a supplement or whatever, I looked at mechanisms. And the more I looked at mechanisms, the more I realized, wow, we're missing the boat. We're missing the boat on all of this because there are so many ways of turning around a cancer, but it isn't one thing. And that's where we often get confused when we look at science and medicine. We think there's there's one treatment, there's one cure. So you think, oh, diabetes, I'll be on insulin, I'm fine, right? But it's not that case. And with cancer, there's multiple factors that need to be addressed. And when these multiple factors are addressed, one is the detox. So for getting rid of everything that is inside that tumor cell that helped cause the tumor cell in the first place. So you want to get rid of that. The second step is what are we using for supplements or off-label drugs that are able to block pathways, block receptors, block, I call them bad guy genes and so on and so forth. And last but not least, I found out that the emotions played a role. And I didn't know this for at least 30 years because I didn't want to believe it. 
So these are the main factors. And, and with my extensive education, educated in America, I was at Chicago Medical School. I was at Georgetown University. I was I would graduate from Loyola University for undergrad in chemistry and, and psychology. And then um, Georgetown for anatomy and part one of the medical boards through Loyola University. And then uh, after all of that, I then studied nutrient biochemistry in Washington, D.C. at Howard and summa cum laude, by the way, and went to Germany and nothing was recognized. <laughs> so I was like, it's oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> 33 semesters of education, nothing recognized except pre-med. So I wanted to finish my medical degree. And so I applied to medical school and I was accepted into medical school. And it was about six years of grueling and everything in German. And then I had to, uh, then I transferred for my last exams, which is the what they call the third rigorosum, um, to Leopold Franzen University in Austria. And it was there that I, I then um, went two years just doing two years worth of specialty exams. So I had to take the 12 major specialty exams in German, of course. The irony was I had learned medicine in Latin and Greek, right? And I'm looking at the body when they were saying blind arm, and I'm thinking blind arm, where the heck is that? Only to find out it's the appendix. So I, I had to really start from scratch to figure out where the parts of the body were in relationship to the German language versus Latin and Greek. But that, 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 that only took me about two years. And after that, I was, I, was, I was golden. I knew where all the parts of the body were. I knew what they were called, German, et cetera, et cetera. So, Ricard, you know, with oncology, I mean, how, how did that become your specialty? I mean, why? Well, that's, that's a very good question. Actually, my first success in uh, 1993, 94 was actually in, it was actually in viruses. With the viruses, I was able to find out the cause of toxicity with mononucleosis, Epstein-Barr virus, and hepatosplenomegaly. And the son of the director from Essex at the time in Munich, his son was very, very ill. His spleen was ready to burst. And so he phoned me and said, I heard you might have a treatment. And I said, well, I, I don't know, Werner. I, I, I've, you know, I just published um, this information a, a few, few, three months ago, a theory and so he was an MD, PhD, also pharmacologist and physician. And I told him what I would give. And he did. And he gave it to the little boy. And then I didn't hear anything. And I said, oh, my God, what happened? You know, did it backfire? Did, did the virus grow? Or what was what was the story here? And four days later, I finally phoned the, the mother. And I said, yeah, hi, it's Dana. What, what, what happened with the little guy, her son? And um, she said, oh, didn't you know my husband went and bought everything you recommended on Saturday, pushed all these capsules down his throat, and the next day he was cured. And, and then he flew off to America to a big meeting with Pfizer. And I said, do you mean to tell me that your son was cured in 24 hours from hepatosplenomegaly, from, from Epstein-Barr virus that he had for over three weeks? She said, yeah, and Banner flew off to America. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I was, I was speechless. And after that, the second child, another doctor's uh, grandson was cured in 48 hours and then, and his spleen was ready to burst, but his liver was toxic too. And so then the third child was from Northern Germany, also a physician's son, and he was cured in 36 hours. And I remember when he phoned me and said, 
my son's cured. And this is, this was after three days. And I said, well, how long did it take? And he said, 36 hours. And I said, 36 hours, what took so long? And he was like, well, one thing came the next day. So I had all this success with, with viral diseases. And I published it in the New Zealand Medical Journal in 1944. It was a, a total breakthrough in medicine, but I don't think anybody reads the New Zealand Medical Journal. So nobody really knew about it. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm kind of too busy doing research to, to go out and say, oh, look what I did. So who cares, right? The point is, any other child I got with Epstein-Barr virus, beautiful it just we could reverse it within 24 to 48 hours but then i had autoimmune disease patients coming to me and i had accidentally or guided read articles on high dose of fish oil causing a decrease in the th1 lymphocytes that create the antibodies and autoimmune disease so the first one came to me with graves disease she she could hardly see because her eyes are so bugged out from from the deposits behind her eyes so i said look i'm going to put you on a high dose of fish oil because nothing had worked conventionally all the drugs that they tried nothing worked so i put her on the high dose of fish oil put her on a handful of antioxidants to protect her because when you're down regulating your th1 lymphocytes you are cutting down your protection against viral infections and cancer so you must include um, a handful of antioxidants to block something called NF-kappa B. So I did that. So what happens? Four weeks later, no more antibodies. And seven weeks later, the eyes were perfect. So it, it didn't, it hit the antibodies first. And because they, these were deposits behind the eye, it, it slowly broke them down, but she didn't need radiation therapy or anything. She, she, you know, she could just, then she could see again because she couldn't see anything. She couldn't see. Everything was double. She had a five-year-old child. The, the woman was desperate. And so I thought, wow, this works. So then the next, next patient came along with rheumatoid arthritis where every single thing had been given to this woman and she's in splints. Okay. So her husband looks at me like, well, what can you do? And he said, do you take insurance? I said, no, I'm private. And he said, well, what if it doesn't work? I said, look, we'll do it like the Chinese. If it doesn't work, you don't owe me anything. And if it does work, then you know you can make a donation. So he said, okay. So four weeks later, I get a fax from her. Now her rheumatoid factor was 800 when she started. Okay. Four weeks later, the rheumatoid factor is zero. And I'm like, wow, this really works. And so she, she, she paid a non-rerum for me for, for my work. But it was just one after the other after the other. But see, cancer was the challenge. All of these were easy. I mean, it was like, oh, yeah, I can, get, I can do that. You know, like the song, I can do that. I decided that the cancer was the most intelligent of all the diseases. And I had also been working on the entire pharmacology and biochemistry of cancer since 1979. I mean, I've been looking at it forever, but it was complicated. And it was so many factors that you had to deal with um, that to me, it was much more of a challenge and an opportunity to really be able to defeat, defeat the enemy. And the enemy were many. Know thine enemy, they say in the Bible. And this is exactly what I had to do. So my my most impressive patient, I had one in Ireland who I treated because they said she has no insurance. She's got a cervical cancer. She has no money. This cancer is this big and um, they're not going to operate for six months. And she's, she has a little boy. She's living out in the countryside. 
So I put together what I thought from my work and my research and so on should help her because actually my friends put me on a guilt trip and they said, Danny, you read all the time, do something. She has no money. She has no insurance. If you don't do something, nobody will. So I thought, oh God, okay, I better do this. So I did. And in six months, she had no more cancer. And I, I couldn't believe it. And I was also relieved because I was sending a thousand Deutschmark a month to her to pay for electricity, to do her juicing, to pay for her NAC and her beta carotene and so on. And I learned from her about apricot seeds. And I also learned from her about SEAC tea, okay, herbal teas like turkey rhubarb and, and burdock root and so on. So her cancer was gone in six months. That's That was 1992. I didn't publish it because I thought, well, this is nuts. I mean, this is so complicated that nobody understand it anyway. And so then in years later, and I was also supporting a lot of cancer patients in general, but years later, I had a patient come to me who was 39 years of age and breast cancer, brain metastases, therapied out, her septin inhibitor didn't work, chemo didn't work, radiation didn't work. And they, she was 39 years of age and they sent her home and said, you have three months to live. That lovely, lovely lady with a little six-year-old daughter. And so what I ended up doing was saying, well, I just got all these articles from a patient about a month ago on Boswellia serrata. And I didn't know anything about Boswellia serrata at the time. And it was on um, gliomas. And I said, well, this isn't a glioma, but it gets into the brain. It does seem to cut down on tumor growth. So we could try it. She said, well, what are the side effects? And I said, there aren't any. So she said, okay. And I put her on a diet, got her off of red meat and got her off of uh, sugar and white flour and so on and cleaned up her act to got her into a lot of plant-based, et cetera. So I get then a visit from her three months later with an x-ray and she's crying and I'm thinking, oh God, they, they grew, right? And she said, no, they're all gone. I said, what do you mean they're all gone? She said, the radiologist said that. I've never, Claudia, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I have to tell you, I usually leave this up to the oncologist, but I've never seen this before. He said, all your tumors are gone. And I was like, well, she, she was in tears. I was in tears. I couldn't believe it. It really worked. And this was frankincense, Boswellia serrata. And I thought, why didn't God give me some chemical compound where I could have made millions of dollars and had a beautiful villa in Southern France? Instead, I get something as old as the Bible that works so well in this lady that she does not have any cancer anymore. And that's why I started my cancer foundation of Colmed because I knew how important it was to get information like this out. And I felt, you know what? I have a responsibility and this responsibility is to save lives. And it isn't just a do no harm business that, that I'm into, it's save lives. And so this is where, when I, when I saw the results with her, I realized that my God, we're missing the boat. We are missing the boat in conventional medicine because we are missing the pharmacological mechanisms of these things, what works, why it works, how it works, how diet plays a role, detox plays a role, and supplements play a role, et cetera. So this, this was the beginning of an odyssey that, you know, it, it's like if you're guided, you're handed something, you take it and you run. You don't just say, oh, well, I don't want to have anything to do with this. This is too much work. It is a lot of work. It's seven days a week. It's researching and researching and researching. It's every new compound, every potential supplement, every, I don't care if it's a, it's a veterinary drug that, that works in cancer based on the pharmacological mechanisms or an off-label drug or, or a natural supplement, pawpaw, for example, and things like that. I look at how it works. 
first and foremost, it has to show me how it works and why it works. Because if somebody says, oh, this is a great product and it's, you know, da 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 da, and here's this and that, I said, I'm not interested. I need to know absolutely how does it work? Is it safe? What can we use it with? Is it going to have interference with other things? So my, my work is 24 7, and it has been basically since 1979. So it's, you know, nothing comes, nothing comes without hard work and really, I would say, passion in what you're doing and compassion for the patients and the people who are suffering. And I myself saw my father paralyzed when he, when I was, I was 15 and he had a stroke. He was an oral surgeon and he had a stroke, of course, heavy metals, right? So high blood pressure. And one year later, I had grand mal seizures. Three years later, I ended up with a breast tumor two months after my best friend was killed. Emotion, right? And I found I didn't even realize that until till about a year ago. And then when nine months after I had the breast tumor, I broke my neck. So I'm lying in a hospital in the middle of Chicago, Mercy Hospital with screws in my skull in a striker frame. And I can't get up. I can't go anywhere. I can't go out. I'm, it's, it's Christmas time. And here I am, 21 years of age, you know, basically in, completely incapacitated. And I thought to myself, it's only a miracle that I'm not dead, that I'm not quadriplegic. I flipped over three times in my MG midget and landed on my head. Now, my dad used to say I was hard-headed. Now I'm believing him very much so because I think he was right. And that's, that's when, when I finally left that hospital after six months in a, in a body cast, I had given away all the roses that the, the chief resident had given to me. He was from India and he was so sweet. And he gave me all these roses. And I went around to all the different hospital rooms in the neurology department and gave everyone a rose. I was on my way home. And he came into my, to my room and said, why did you give away all my flowers? And I said, well, Krishna, I'm going home. And then I said, but they're not. And it hit me so hard. And I thought, you know what? There but for the grace of God go I. Because these were patients with brain tumors, with Parkinson's disease, that were quadriplegic from accidents, from, from uh, uh, brain tumors and strokes. And I just, you know, and I thought to myself, this life of mine is over. Forget theater. Forget psychology. Forget everything. Go into science. And then when I when I finally got out in a body cast, and I had the body cast on for two months, and then I went to Loyola University and studied German of all things, and which was very helpful because I'm very glad I did. There's it's almost as if there's a plan up there, Somehow. you know, for our lives. And I I look at this and I think, how did they know I was going to go to Germany? You know, why why did why did they do this to me? It's like, leave me alone. Can't I just live my own life? And the answer is no, you may not. If you have something handed to you and it's a responsibility that can stop suffering and save lives, then you have a responsibility and you have a responsibility to God or to whomever or whatever you believe in. But it's a responsibility to mankind. And that's why I'm doing and have done what I what I'm doing. Well, I love I love that story, and I I mean, what you bring into the world is is just incredible. Uh, the research you're doing and looking at from all these different angles, and so in in regards to then then cancer, I mean, we obviously it's a multifactorial, and we have to look at all these different things. But one one area that is is really important, just because we are so bombarded by toxins, both emotional and and physical toxins. How, how 
what role do these cellular the cellular toxicity and 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 tissue toxicity play in cancer? Well, that's a very interesting point. Um, goes everywhere from stress, raising your cortisol levels and lowering your immune system to um, contamination in our water, in our environment, in our foods and so on of many heavy metals, chemicals, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, improper diet plays a ma major role. But this is where Stephanie Senev said from MIT, you know, Dana, she said, sometimes I think that a tumor cell is there to protect us because all the junk goes into the tumor. The heavy metals are in the tumor. The viruses are in the tumor. Pathogenic bacteria are in the tumor. All of these things are in the tumor. And what they're doing is they're actually altering the frequencies inside the tumor and altering what's called structured water in tumors. Structured water is a hexagonal form of water that when it is raining in the winter and the rain is coming down, why does it turn into a snowflake with six sides to it? Because it's hexagonal water, and that's the purest form of water there is. Okay, that goes back to Schauberger and his research years ago. So what I found from the research on uh, Professor John's book on hexagonal water was that in tumor cells, it was only 20% structured water, whereas a normal cell had 80%. So what we found out was that there was a complete change in the tumor cells in relationship to just the water structure. And the Helmholtz Institute said, Water is what's responsible for stabilizing our DNA. Now, when our water is unstable, like it is in tumor cells, the DNA is unstable. So what does it do? It replicates. You see? It was, it was interesting. I was chatting with uh, uh, Professor Gerald Polak yesterday. Uh, oh, Jerry, he's a doll. Yes, yeah. yes, and, yes. Uh, I, I like him a lot. The easy or fourth face of water, you know, being then the structured water and uh, right what we can do in order to be able to kind of recharge uh to to bring back some of that structure exactly there it is <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you thank you jerry for your genius yeah. he's brilliant he is brilliant so with i mean so it almost sounds like then tumors are like a a survival mechanism where we are yeah. then uh, they gathering are. They are. all the toxins, the pathogens, and the key then to be able to dissolve tumors would then, it would make sense would to be to clear out these toxins so that the tumor does not fill that role anymore. Right, right, right. You know, interesting from Jerry's work on uh, easy water and all of that business showing that when he takes a hydrophilic surface and, and puts an electrode next to it in the water and then puts another electrode on the other side where it's an OH, where it's a negative, and he can light up a light bulb. So guess what we have on our DNA? We have a hydrophilic surface on our DNA. So it's pulling in those hydrogens. It's quite fascinating. Now, when that DNA is screwed up with frequency changes and so on, you don't have that anymore. And this is where all of these contaminants will interfere with the frequencies, will interfere with the ability to structure water because your chromosomes can structure water if they're healthy, okay? And if you don't have all these contaminants around. But anyway, we are body electric, and that, that's, that's what, uh, what Becker wrote. And I see this on the surface of the membranes, and I see this on the healthy cells, but obviously it's not in the tumor cells. So our tumor cells are like, like, like shutting off the battery. Mm -hmm. You don't have that activity anymore. You don't have that, that healing property either. 
And if you don't get the, the junk, and I, I, I'm sorry to be so broad on this, if you don't get the, the junk, the heavy metals, the chemicals, the, the um, pathogens, the viruses, uh, and et cetera, out of those tumors, you're, they're, they're either going to just come back again or they're, or they're never going to, you're never going to get rid of that tumor. And that's why blasting the hell out of a tumor is really not the wisest thing to do without starting with a detox first. So that's why I tried. And, and the thing is, a lot of people say, oh, well, Dana, you're in complementary alternative medicine and integrative medicine and so on. And you're a professor teaching this stuff. And I said, look, I don't care if we use a chemical, radiation, surgery, it all has to work together, but you cannot just choose one doesn't work that way. It's a combination of things. And so if some people do out of panic insist that they have chemo, you can work with it. But if they don't want chemo, you can work without it. So this is where I just figured as as my father used to say there's more than one way to skin a cat. And so I just say, you know what? We'll do whatever we can covering all bases. And that's, that's, that's basically what I do. And this is something where I also look up anything that is recommended to patients, especially some of these companies that come in and say, oh, yeah, this cured this and this cured that. And then I look it up and I think, wait a minute, they've got the wrong theory on this that works for maybe mitochondrial problems, but it doesn't work in cancer. So this is where you really have to know your stuff and you have to know your pharmacology. And you have to know the 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 um, pathology of the of the disease. So you know where where something can help in one disease, like chronic fatigue or something, it may be a negative in another disease. And that that's where it's really important to be able to weigh out the differences on these and to see, okay, what are we dealing with, and where do where do we go first? What's the best, safest, and most practical way to stop or reverse this disease? I mean, it, it, and it seems to me, I mean, in addition to then obviously uh, shutting down the drivers of the disease and there, there are many different things that we can use for that. And then also then supporting the apoptosis, you know, things like LDN and, and DCA and, and, and those type of things, but then to clean up the environment, you know, to really make sure that uh, as we are then blasting these tumors, that we're not just spewing toxins all over the body, which will then create a reason to create tumors elsewhere because the body is wanting to contain these toxins. It usually does. That's why we get metastases. Yeah. So, so what in your mind, I mean, for detoxification, for, you know, are there some strategies that you utilize uh, to initiate that, that uh, process? Well, one of the most important things, which sounds absolutely silly, they say in German, Alban, is that you have to have the proper body pH. Now, that's a really basic, basic thing. We're, we're going back to the beginning of chemistry, the beginning of the studies in chemistry. If your pH is, is, is not in the right place, if you're acidic, you get inflammation. If you get inflammation, you can stimulate tumor growth, you can stimulate um, uh, pain, et cetera, et cetera. So if you've got arthritis and you're acidic, you're gonna have pain. If you have cancer and you're acidic, it helps the tumors to grow, it lowers your immune system. So these are the things that I, that basically that's, that goes with diet. 
that's where you get off of the sugars and you get off the white flowers and things like that. You, you shift that body pH. And that's a very, very, very important point. This is something that if, for example, you, people that are overweight, their fat cells will release inflammatory parameters. Okay. They, they, they set off all sorts of prostaglandins and everything else from the, from the fat cells. So they've got to lose weight and they've got to exercise. And this is something where, you know, you can't cure or reverse a cancer if you don't self-discipline. And as much as we'd all like to just say, oh, doc, you do it. I don't want to bother. Just, just give me an injection or give me a pill and let it all go away. So I don't have to change my lifestyle. So I don't have to relax. So I don't have to exercise. So I don't have to watch what I eat. So I can just continue on doing everything that I've done wrong for all this time and bingo. And it just doesn't work that way. It's too complicated. Yeah. 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 And, and with pH, I mean, so we have uh, all these toxins they're they're, you know, they're acidic in nature. And yeah. if you start to move them then for elimination. I mean, the body is not going to release uh, that the pH within the blood is, is such a controlled mechanism and that's life and death. So right. if you would then release a lot of these acidic waste, when you are acidic already, you are putting yourself more at risk for harm and the body is not going to let that happen. So in order to be able for the body to feel secure, to dump these acidic toxins, we need to have then an alkaline body, you know, so that it can handle the, the removal of these acidic toxins. Right. You can't just go and take something that's going to, quote, alkalinize your your body and think that the thing is, if you do blood pH, it's always going to be around 7.2 to 7.4. But if you do urine and saliva, that really tells you what's going on, because your blood is going to to balance itself out so you don't drop dead. Let's face it. And this is something where this is why I have my patients test with a litmus paper in the morning and at night for saliva and for urine to see what what's going on here. And most I've I've never met a cancer patient that was not acidic. Mm-hmm. They're all acidic. And once you get them into into alkaline, changing their diet, putting them on on uh, natural foods and uh, plant foods and so on. I mean, I have to say there's a lot of information out there that says by eating alkaline foods, we can shift our body pH. Well, it isn't just that. That's fabulous. But the, a lot of the alkaline foods have inhibitors of cancer in them. They have things like quercetin in it. I mean, let's you, you apples, quercetin. Quercetin blocks epidermal growth factor. Now, there's a lot of new drugs for epidermal growth factor, but quercetin will block it. And quercetin will block something called fibroblastic growth factor. That's another growth factor around tumor cells. So you've got these mechanisms also in these natural foods and these fresh fruits and vegetables, organic, of course, you don't want any more chemicals in there. We've got enough going on, but this is where the water has to be pure. The food needs to be organic and you need to go really plant-based, not a hundred. I don't, I have diff- disagreements with a few colleagues. I No red meat, no beef, no pork. Okay, why? Arginine and iron will stimulate tumor growth. So we just stay away from those. But, you know, some of my colleagues say no fish. I'm, I'm not a purist. Okay, sorry, God. But I'm not a purist. Sometimes I will say, you know, a little wild caught salmon might be a good idea. You know, and, and some people need 
a, a warm meal. They need something that that is um, uh, that's pr- higher protein, or and also it's omega threes anyway. So I don't worry about that too much. But but basically to keep down um, and avoid any of the white flour, the wheat flour, the um, uh, the the red meats. Okay, and I, one of my colleagues, uh, the late Dr. Livingston, used to allow lamb once once a month, and that that's a very interesting point because. Even the Buddhists allow lamb sometimes, and I was surprised. I thought, I didn't think Buddhists had anything to do with any living creature, but it seems some do. Anyway, lamb is does not appear to have the negative aspects of beef or pork. So this is something I, I do allow if their RBCs are down and and their ferritin is not elevated, then I will allow them to have a little bit of uh, a lamb once, maybe once a month. That, that's about it. But usually they don't need more than that because there are many plants that are full of protein. Chickpeas, for example, or garbanzo beans, they're, they're full of protein. Most of the lentils are excellent. They alkalinize, they're, they're, they're high in protein, but, but not a protein that will stimulate tumor growth. And that's, that's kind of the interesting point. This is why when I look at the different diets and I think to myself, you know, an interesting one is basically the Indian diet because they have so many spices. And in fact, every morning in my tea, I have cardamom and ginger. And yesterday I was just reading about gingerol. Gingerol is in ginger, which has a wonderful anti-cancer effect by downregulating ferritin. And I thought, oh, that's cool. I like throw it into my juicing for uh, for carrot juice with a little bit of of uh, uh, you know a little little bit of ginger and celery uh, stalk and red beet because they're all anti-cancer. It also brings the potassium back too, so it's very helpful for patients. So this is something where the juicing works, but not Gerson's. Unfortunately, Gerson's pure juicing is, I would say, something of the past because our foods do not have the nutrients in it anymore that they used to. And that's a, that's a real pity, but that has to do with destruction of the soil. Um, we have a lot of aluminum, or as they say in England, aluminum in the soil from nano aluminum that is in rainwater and in, in our, in our, in the soil period, and it's changing the pH of the soil too. So we need to detox all of us, you, me, it doesn't matter whether you have cancer or not. I have everyone detoxing except my stubborn daughter who is a, uh, a magna cum laude from the german cancer research center who is not quite convinced 100 that mom's right and i said okay you know i just just i'll give you time but but listen to me and it's it's funny how the last last people in our lives that will listen to us is a family member yeah. right is that funny right. how that is yeah <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You can't be a, a prophet in your own backyard. So what, what can I say? However, she's seen me cure or help cure anyway. God cures. I just help. You know, breast cancer stage four, colon cancer stage four, lung cancer stage four. And I and so she actually says to when one of her girlfriend's parents or family member have a cancer. She, oh, you got to talk to my mom. I got to talk to my mom. <laughs> oh, thank you. So finally, I'm getting something recognition for all my work. But it's it's a very interesting thing because she is a, a PhD in cancer research, and you know I I go on mechanisms, and she's so specialized. She doesn't she doesn't she's she said she did not want to be a physician, and I said why not? She said because you work too hard, <laughs> and I said but I love what I do. Yeah, I save lives, yeah. and what could be more rewarding than that? Yeah. I mean, there really isn't anything. 
It's it's like a purpose to your complete existence on this earth. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, I'm paying back the universe for my my broken neck, my grandma seizures, my tumor. I'm paying them back for letting me live and letting me to be able to go on to do something for mankind. So I swear they literally hit you over the head in life. Whoever is up there guiding us to say, okay, you're going to do this, or you're going to go in this direction. I've seen this in patients too, patients that have horrible emotional problems, et cetera, et cetera. And then they have cancer and they're therapists. And I tell them, you know what? You're first. You need the therapy first. And that's why you are learning this to teach other people. And that's what they do. They teach other people. So they end up saving lives from what they had. And I said, that's what it is. It's all a chain reaction. If you get something and you help yourself, then help somebody else. I agree. I agree. And, and with, you know, like we're talking about detoxification, it's not just chemicals, heavy metals, pathogens. It is like we're talking about the emotions and and the key to detoxify that in relation to cancer is, is huge. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I wrote a poem on that, actually. And it basically said, I read through Plato, through Freud, and then Kant, seeking an answer for something I want. Why can they not tell me what I want to know? What is an emotion and where does it go? If we can't feel it, nor touch it, nor see, then surely it isn't in reality then why do we laugh and why do we cry? A smile and hello, a tear and goodbye. What is it in us that makes us to care, give us a hope or cause us despair? Perhaps you can tell me, I, I so want to know what is an emotion and where does it go? Well, and I thought, you know what? We're doing everything based on facts, data, Research, for example, the cancer research goes in vitro to little cells that are never going to be exposed to garbage that we're exposed to. Okay. And they say, oh, it cures it. And then I look at the the fantastic work of Judah Folkman reversing all the tumors in his mice. When I was up at Harvard visiting for a meeting and and Judah said, you know, if you were a mouse, I could cure you. And it broke my heart because the man was brilliant, exceptional work, but it was a mouse. It did not have the emotional problems. It did not have the contamination. It did not have all of the factors that we as human beings have that actually introduce cancer into our bodies and allow it to grow. So for the mice to reverse a cancer, great. But when as soon as they started using it in the clinics, it didn't work. And these, these were these VEGF inhibitors. And, and the thing is, I, I thought to myself, all the research in the world, we need to see the whole body. We need to see the whole human being. We need to see... The, the, the chemical contamination, the, the viral contamination, the emotional contamination. I've had one or two patients that I lost. Why? Because they had abusive partners and they could not get away from their abusive partner. And I am not kidding when, when I've seen this only three times and it broke my heart because they were dependent on this person financially. They had children, they couldn't leave and they died. And I thought to myself, you know, I do believe we can die of a broken heart, too. And this is something where I, I that's something where just I wish I could just 
take these people and bring them somewhere else and help to bring them out of this and why they have to have this karma i don't know but i can tell you that that that's really was a, a heavy lesson to me that the emotional aspect of cancer is so much more than we ever realized and this is something that we absolutely must work on also that's why i like some of the work of Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton and so on and talking about our environment and, and the emotions and stuff. And this is something where um, I hope I'm not going to lose you here because I've got a low battery. Anyway, this is something where the people have to do it. They really, they really do. It's, it's hard to dig into your past to find out what hurt you. What, what was it that hurt you so much that you, you don't want to live? And I had one, one man that had prostate cancer with metastases everywhere. I got rid of them all. It was fantastic. And then he quit everything. And, and then I found out from a naturopath that was working with him that he had been abused as a child. And because he was so abused, he did not want to live. So he quit everything. He, all the tumors were gone. They were all gone. And he quit absolutely everything. And his emotions just pushed him back into cancer and this is something that i i almost refuse to believe it because i'm so stubborn and because i've done so much research and because i know that it works and then when i find out wait a minute you quit everything do you not want to live this is the thing that's really hard for me as a physician to comprehend that somebody doesn't want to live so i think for some people I know that Dr. Scheller said to me, the late Dr. Scheller from the Leonardi Clinic, we collaborate on a lot of patients. And he said, you know, sometimes I think cancer is a legal suicide. And I said, oh, Albert, you can't mean that. And he goes, no, some people are so distraught and so emotionally destroyed that they really do not want to live. And it's an excuse not to live. And I, I was I was horrified. But the more I know about cancer and patients, every once in a while, and thank God it's not that common, but every once in a while you get someone that just does not want to live. And what do you do? What do we do? That's why I send them off to Joe Dispenza. Please, Joe, help us, help us. You know, you're, you're so brilliant and you've done so much and helped so many people that very often by visualizing your tumor going away, you can actually get rid of the tumor. And that's physics. That is quantum physics that is actually going into that tumor and changing its whole structure. And I'm doing more research on this, looking at it now, thinking, wow, why didn't I know about quantum physics 30, 40 years ago? Well, nobody did. Even Einstein said it was spooky. And he's right. It's spooky. It's spooky that you can actually visualize your tumor going away and it helps, you know, and I and I, I'm amazed. And with that also, I mean, as you're visualizing the tumor going away, you're also connecting with the energy that is consisting of that, um, that that tumor is consisting of so that you're you're processing and clearing the emotions, the traumas, the toxins, the energy frequency of, of the toxins, all of these things. Yeah, you know, you're you're dealing with that at that same time. Right, right. Right. It's like, I, lo I, I love my body. I love you, tumor. You can go now. You Thank you for being there to wall up all the bad guys. Now we're going to get rid of all the bad guys so that you don't have to stay anymore, but appreciate your efforts. Yeah. Exactly. And now you can leave. It's like giving it permission to leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's worked hard for you for all this time. And now it's to fulfill this purpose. And, and now it can, like, now it can go. Right. Right. Who would yeah. ever think? Yeah. Talking to your tumor? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, Dr. 
Dana Flavin, I thank you so much for everything you're doing, for all your wisdom, for all, you know, all the lives that you're saving, for your dedication, for your research. Thank you so much. Well, let us hope in the future that we can get enough funding with the foundation for, with Colmed to get a book out for people. I've done, I've been doing videos and that's very helpful, but we really need to get the book out. But that takes, that takes editors, that takes time and that takes effort. And this is, this is the hard part. And secondary, I am looking at a frequency that causes tumor cells to turn into normal cells. And this is something that I have a few colleagues looking into. I'm hoping we can get what we need. I know how to make it. I know from, I wasn't supposed to know this from a, uh, let me put it this way, from the military that it actually worked through frequencies. Um, Harvard's working on it, but they're not working on frequencies. They're only working on uh, structures. Mm -hmm. And Northwestern University was working on it too. And when I told my daughter about it, she was at first, she said, yeah, sure, mom. And then about a year later, she said, mom, mom, there's a lady here from Northwestern University. And she's got this, this uh, extracellular matrix material that causes tumor cells to turn into normal cells. And I said, finally, will you please give me the references? So she got me all the references and then I can read up on it. So now we're trying to get this made. I had wanted to work with Luc Montagnier on this. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm skeptical on the Rife machine and Spooky 2 and all that, but they're really good for a lot of different parasites and stuff. But if we can program this frequency into there, then we've got something really exciting. So say some prayers. Hopefully we'll, we'll get some additional funding and be able to get this done. And I just figured that, you know what, that, that, that there's only one, one thing that I'm interested in, and that is to help patients to go into remission. And I don't care if we do it through physics. I don't care if we do it through biochemistry, pharmacology. Very often we have to do it through all of them. And then prayer, because that's what works. Yes. From, from my mouth to God's ears. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Ears. Yes. <laughs> Thank Absolutely. you so much, <laughs> All right. God bless and have a great day. Thanks, Michael. Bye-bye. The information this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or treat any disease. If you'd like to know more about what my center offers, please visit thecarlfieldcenter.com. Please join us next week for another live consultation with a patient diagnosed with cancer on Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Feldt.